0: Hope you're staying safe from Hurricane Ian. Uh, We are taping this podcast not knowing what the power situation would be later in the week. We have a chance to talk to Matt Baker, our college football writer, about all the games coming up. A big one in Tallahassee between Florida State and Wake Forest. But before we get to that, uh, let me remind you guys that uh, May Electric Solar is a family-owned business. You want to save some money on an electric bill? Call these folks. Uh, they are committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their labor and workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the made difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products, conducts on-site testing. You can see exactly what they'll install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, preserve the quality of your life and the quality of your appliances as well. May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. All right, one of my favorite times of the week. Of course, college football in this state may be affected by Hurricane Ian. Nonetheless, we talked to Matt Baker, who joins us now, and Matt, No lack of an atmosphere up there at Tennessee. Rocky Top was rocking. Game day was there. Tell me, what was that like? I mean, were you wearing the orange shirt or the white shirt as part of the checkerboard up there?
1: (laughs) I was in a a, a light blue, not a gator's color blue, but a light blue (laughs) that did kind of have a little bit of checkerty. So I kind of figured, you know, I don't care who wins, but I figured there's a little bit of checkered for Tennessee, a little bit of blue Florida, if anybody gives me crap. I'm splitting the difference while still wearing something nice. The important part of my ensemble here. And I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> uh, I, I brought a jacket. I, I brought my sport coat because there was just a kiss of fall up there. Like in the no. morning, you, you just needed a little bit of something on your on your on your arms. Um, oh. So you know, I'm I'm walking around Tennessee a little bit, going over game day, and you know, by twelve o'clock, you didn't need it anymore. But there was just a little bit of fall, which was nice.
0: Oh, that's so nice. I'm so jealous. I'd love to feel that. But you did feel that, that crowd, and it's been a while since Tennessee uh, has had that much to cheer about with their football team. It's a really good football team, by the way. And having mm-hmm. lost, what was it, like 16 out of 17 to Florida or something like that at that point. Um, great game. We'll talk about a little bit of controversy with Billy Napier. But what was your overall impression of, of Tennessee and just, and just how, how great that football game was?
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a peek behind the, the curtain here. So ten, uh, getting to post-game interviews at a lot of the SEC venues is tough. I haven't been to every, every venue, but uh, Florida can be a challenge. LSU is a challenge. Tennessee is the toughest that I've been to. You, you go down an elevator. Okay, we can handle that. Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. Then you're going through the concourse, and then you're going down the stairs, like down these stands. So no. if you wait until the end of the game, there's a hundred thousand people leaving those exits and you're <laughs> yeah. trying to go down. Oh, no. So, and you know, the coach isn't going to wait. Oh, oh, no, Matt, Matt Baker's signed, right. I, I can't wait. I, I can't go now. I have to wait. No, that's, that's not how it works. Not, no, 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 not blaming him. It's just an, it's a challenging situation. So I, I filed my game story after Tennessee went up 17, You know, seven minutes left or so. Like, okay, mm. I don't know where I'm going. I, I got to get down. So let's go. And then Florida scores the first touchdown. Like oh okay that's interesting I mean that's good and they're making it a little more competitive there there's some people will care about the spread here and what have you then they score again and I'm thinking <laughs> oh and then they get the onside kick and I'm really thinking <laughs> oh what I sent to the boss to publish as soon as it ends might be completely worthless do I go back up do I call her and hope the signal goes through and I can get a new top on it like what, what do we do and then it, it you know the final pass was intercepted and, and that was that but. It was, a, it was a crazy game uh, at the end, as I'm trying to figure out what to do. The environment, that's what Florida, Tennessee is supposed to do. That's what it's supposed to feel like. That's what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah. Um, and it was fantastic. And yeah, let's talk about Tennessee. I, I was very skeptical about Josh Heupel because I saw diminishing returns at UCF, just like a bunch sure. of nightstands did, sure. where I think they were glad he was there because he did well. And they were glad he left because the, things were, were slipping. So I, I don't know if he's going to win big at Tennessee. I don't know if he's going to win a championship the way that that program expects, but I can tell you that, what are we through uh, a, a year and change? He is way exceeding my expectations to be where I mean, Hindenhooker Hooker's a really good player. They've got some, you know, uh, they've got some, 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 guys on defense. Not, it's not a great defense by any means, but it's not terrible. The offense has a bunch of playmakers and he finds ways to scheme them open. And some of that was on the defense being out of whack, but some of it was on Heupel doing what he needed to do. So I I am very impressed with where where Tennessee is right now under Josh Heupel.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought they they were uh, explosive. Um, And look, I, I love their quarterback story. I mean, this is, you know, this is a guy that's kind of burst onto the scene a little bit here, right?
1: Yeah, you know. He started his career at Virginia Tech and showed some flashes and then, no, he was just another one of those portal guys who uh, needed a fresh start and got one at mm-hmm. Tennessee, and it's it's clicked. He's got a good arm. He runs well. He was a, he was a very very effective player and did what he needed to do.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about Anthony Richardson because he's kind of been up and down. This I would say, Matt, and would you agree was was probably his best game or was his best game throwing the football? Uh, made some plays when he had to with his legs. I mean. If I'm a Gators fan, I really like what I saw from their young quarterback in this environment in particular. Didn't seem to phase him at all.
1: Absolutely. You know, it, it, the Anthony Richardson experience has been ups and downs, and, and Saturday was definitely enough. There was no question about that. He, he handled it well. I thought, generally speaking, he made pretty good reads. And, if you, okay, you kind of think, what were the differences? Well, one, I— not 100% convinced that he was not a little bit banged up after Kentucky and maybe a little bit against USF as well. And then the other thing, they ran him well. Or they, or he decided, you know what, I'm going to take off and run sometime. So the, some of it, they, they schemed him, like, okay, go take off. And some of it, he saw things and ran. And I think that's a huge part of his game. I mean, just his speed, his size, his athleticism. Put, to just have him sit in the pocket is doing a disservice to his abilities, and I think it's doing a disservice to the team. So, mm-hmm. to their credit, they kind of said, you know what? Go run. And, yeah. and he did. And I think maybe that kind of settled him down a little bit. Got him in his rhythm more, got him some confidence back that he admitted had been kind of waning uh, you know, starting in the Kentucky game. So, I think that's kind of what changed on Saturday against Tennessee, where you saw the Anthony Richardson of the of, of Utah game, not the one that wasn't as sharp against Kentucky and USF.
0: Yeah, go make plays. And when you do that, sometimes the other plays follow uh, in the passing game as well. All right, Let's get into this uh, little bit of a controversy. And I, look, I'm watching the TV kind of screaming at it at the time. They score a touchdown. Uh, they have a chance to just kick the extra point. You know, then a field goal might tie it, that sort of thing. Napier goes for two and doesn't get it. I know he spent a pretty good amount of time explaining it. So explain it to me and see if I can buy this.
1: okay so the first thing you need to know is that this isn't like a decision he just made up on the fly no these things are very well thought out way in advance they you Mm -hmm. know when he was at louisiana they had a couple different advanced metrics analytics companies that they used poured over data and they come up with you know the the guy who runs it prefers to call it an encyclopedia rather than a binder but there's a guy on the sidelines coach ash is, is what everybody calls him And he has a binder or encyclopedia of all these situations planned out. What do we do if it's fourth and three from the 37 with two minutes left and we're down four? You know, every scenario you could come up with. And the numbers were pretty clear in this case to go for two. So again, just to recap, they scored a touchdown to make it an 11-point game with about five minutes left. So the conventional wisdom is you kick the extra point and you're down 10. Okay, well then a touchdown and an extra point and then a field goal and you tie it. Not very likely, but that's that's the way to go. But the first thing, the next thing you have to understand the goal is not, unless you're Love You Smith, the goal is not to play for a tie, correct? Right. The, the, the goal is to play for a win. So if you go to overtime, well, look, what my eyes told me Tennessee was the better team. I think most reasonable people would agree with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Florida was playing on the road, which is an advantage. And according to Napier's numbers, or the numbers that the Gators have accumulated for however they've done it over the years, if you're a two-score underdog on the road, you should expect to lose in overtime about 37% of the time. So basically, if you go to overtime, there's a 63% chance Tennessee wins, based on the way things have been in the past. Now, it's not always going to be quite the same, but... So you go in, I don't like those odds, do you? Where I go into an extra session by, you know, making the game longer and I've got a 63% chance of losing? No, I don't like that. So the the thought process is, Let's. why would we go for a tie? Why not try and win it? So if you get the touchdown and the extra point, or the touchdown to the two-point conversion, now it's a nine-point game. Touchdown and an extra point makes it a two-point game. The field goal doesn't tie it, the field goal wins it. So that's the thought process behind it. And I understand it's a it can be a little bit confusing to some people, and I, and I get it. But and if you if you shift your thinking from playing for overtime where anything happens to I don't want overtime, I want to win right now, then it makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm the prolong the game at any cost guy. And if I came back from that many points, I have all the momentum going into overtime. So maybe I win it there. But that's just me. And look, there's a reason why Billy Napier is a coach of the Gators, and I am not. So we'll, we'll let him do his job, and, and he's done it pretty well so far. That was a, it was a good SEC football game, and I'm glad that Tennessee is kind of back in the mix. I think the SEC is better when they are. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to Hypo to and all those guys, and we'll see where uh, Florida bounces back. Now, they're playing – they're hosting Eastern Washington, which is a team that I'm not that familiar with. How did they end up on the Gator schedule at this point?
1: Well, because uh, there was a coach by the name of Jim McIlwain, who uh, went to Eastern Washington? He started coaching his coaching career at Eastern Washington. Um, I remember I sat down with him one time to talk about his uh, his uh, you know, small time small town, uh, excuse me, kind of, yeah, small time roots. I think that's the fair way to say it. Where he started out in the Big Sky Conference and. Um, you know, they were playing Northern Colorado. That was on the schedule that year, and he's like, "Honestly, I wish if we're going to schedule one of those guys, I want to schedule schedule Eastern Washington, my alma mater. Like, if we're going to give money to somebody, let's give money to those guys." And they announced it in 2016 that they that the Gators were going to host Eastern Washington in 2020. Um, so that was a great thing for Jim McElwain, who was no longer a coach. And uh, the game was supposed to happen in 2020, but you know the world fell apart. So then they rescheduled for uh, for 2022 and the poor Eagles luck has it that uh, there's a hurricane coming and uh, you know, we're recording oh, no. this Tuesday afternoon and uh, they've moved the game from Saturday to Sunday at noon. So as of mm-hmm. now, at least that game gets to happen after all these years, but just kind of a weird route to get there.
0: Yeah, sure is. I mean, that's, that's at least, I mean, McElwain is several coaches ago uh, at the right. University of Florida. So, we're, we're, you know, that shows you how long these schedules are, are made out, you know, that uh, before guys are even hired or before two guys were even hired. So we'll, well see. Just, uh,
1: just one other thing really fast. Sorry to interrupt. But this is the second time there's been kind of a Jim McElwain Bowl without Jim McElwain there. That's right. Because. Because if you remember, they were able to get him. The Gators were able to get him from Colorado State, and as part of the the, yeah. the buyout thing to get him out of Colorado State, Florida agreed to host the Rams. I think they paid him two million dollars for the game, which was you know, a little high, but more or less the going rate for for a game like that. And by the time McElwin, you know, by the time that game was scheduled and they made it work, Mackalyn was already gone. <laughs> so that's just how stupid this sport is, um, and I love it. And it's, it, we can kind of laugh a little bit because. Uh, from the absurdity, but that's the way it's been.
0: Well, it's, it's been uh, not a bird at Florida state um, who kind of took apart Boston college. Did you see that coming?
1: I thought they would win. I did not think they would be beat them that handily the way they did. To me, that was another just step forward for FSU.
0: Yeah.
1: Where, you know, I think we talked about it on here where they kicked the crap out of Duquesne in the opener and deserve credit for that because Mm -hmm. the FSU of, 2021, 2020, 2019, th- those guys, uh, 2018, those guys don't destroy the bad teams that they should. Uh, but, for, you know, first they did it against Duquesne, and they, they eked out the wins against LSU and Louisville and deserve credit for it. And then to beat Boston College the way they did, look, those are good. I, I'm, I'm willing to entertain that option now, uh, that, that they are a, a good team. Uh, this stretch here you know assuming the game saturday against wake forest happens as we're recording this it's it's on schedule and Mm -hmm. as we're recording this i intend to be there and i hope that everything works out um so it's wake forest at nc state and clemson in three weeks those are three top 25 teams would i be shocked if florida state beat all of them at this point no would i be shocked Mm. if florida state lost to all of them at this point no so this is the make-or-break stretch where we're going to find out just how good this FSU team is. I know they're better than last year, but we're going to find out if they're a good, pretty good team or a really, really good team that can win the conference.
0: Yeah, and we may, we may know a lot about that just after this game that, that you hope to attend, and that is because Wake Forest, look, gave Clemson all they could handle. I thought they were going to win that game. Uh, Clemson dragged them into overtime and won it. But Sam Hartman's uh, NFL prospect, and he's no joke, man. I mean, he's he's going to be a problem.
1: Yeah, I like Sam Hartman a lot. It, it feels like he's been there for a while at this point. Yeah. But Wake Forest is a fun team to watch. You, the, what they do with some of the RPOs, and they do this uh, this slow mesh thing where you know the, the quarterback and running back look like they're like holding hands as they walk to the line of scrimmage, taking their time. Doop doop boop and then one of them will split off. It's it's a I think it's an entertaining uh, brand of football. And you know, Sam Hartman's got an arm. He moves well. Wake Wake is a good team. Uh, obviously returned a, a good amount from a team that was was quite strong last year. They are definitely good enough to beat FSU. But it, the FSU that I've seen through four weeks certainly stands a chance against these guys too. And I, I think it's going to be a really really good game.
0: I do too. I look forward to, to reading about that one uh, in the Tampa Bay Times with Matt Baker. I got to ask you. Uh, I didn't see. You know, I I was kind of on board with Mario Cristobal. And look, it. it you know, it, Rome was not built in a year, and apparently neither are the Hurricanes. But really, Middle Tennessee State beats Miami. Woof.
1: Yeah, woof is right. That's one of the worst losses of the modern Miami team. I <laughs> mean, modern Miami yeah. Miami era. It's 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 bad. It's inexcusable. This isn't like a really good. Uh, Middle Tennessee team? No, they're not. Um, it's it just, and, and it wasn't a close game either. No, mm. Middle Tennessee had was like four passes over sixty nine yards or something ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Miami was just ill prepared, and I mean, it was bad. It was very, very, very bad. Um, the the FIU loss a couple of years ago is the, the one, the other one that comes to mind in terms of being like a, a low point. But right. this, I think, in some ways, was worse. And I, I think if, if I'm looking at Miami. At this point, first of all, I have questions about Tyler Van Dyke um, at quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's not—it's mm-hmm. not all him. It, obviously, the coaches have to put him in the right situation. Obviously, his receivers have to, to make the plays, and I think both of those things are issues. But I, I thought Miami was going to be the best team in the state this year, and I put a lot of faith in Tyler Van Dyke. And at this point, it—it it, at this point in 2022, it hasn't been justified. Um, right. And I guess my other kind of big picture thought on Miami. Look, Mario Cristobal, I think, can build a program. I think he can get the infrastructure where it needs to be, modernize Miami in a way that they've, it's needed to happen for a while, get everybody moving the same way with facilities and, and that sort of thing. I think he can do that. I think he did a good job of it at Oregon. But that's not every... I guess there's a difference between running a program and running a team. And I think Mario can do the program part. I think we've seen that. But mm-hmm. it's definitely fair to question at this point whether he can do the team part at a high enough level. You now there, mm-hmm. were, there were definitely people out in Oregon who questioned his game management, game day X's and O's type stuff with the Ducks. I mean, he had Justin Herbert and didn't exactly like light the world on fire, which right. when you look at what Justin Herbert's done, that's kind of a that's a red mm-hmm. flag. Um, and then you, you look at the loss on Saturday in addition to, to how they played against A&M. I don't have like a, a solution to this, except Miami needs to, to get through this season and then take a look at what are we doing on the game day stuff, scheming it up, just all that type of stuff that goes into running the team and trying to win on Saturday where nothing else matters. And what help does Mario need to make that happen? Is it giving more freedom to coordinators? Is, is it different coordinators? I don't have a solution right now this second. But if I'm looking at the, the flaws in Miami for down the line and, and whether Mario, you know, the, the program builder, can succeed, the game day stuff has to get fixed.
0: I mean, it all comes down on, on how prepared your team is on Saturday and, and, and how you execute. And they haven't done either with any consistencies down there so far. So you're right. Yeah. Um, Maybe he can build a program, but he needs to build some wins as well, and you can't lose the middle Tennessee states of the world. So there's some interesting college football games. What I like about this time of the year, uh, Matt, for the most part, and we've already you know, talked a little bit about Florida's schedule with Eastern Washington notwithstanding, you're getting into conference play. Uh, and that is oh so important for the USF Bulls and Jeff Scott. My goodness, this game has been moved now to Boca Raton. They play East Carolina I said this uh I think I was talking to Joey Knight after seeing that score from Louisville which was not good. I said I'll be surprised it, it, he could get the Herm Edwards treatment, right? Where like maybe he gets fired on the on, before he gets on the plane kind of on the on the field. That didn't happen, but if he lays an if they lay an egg in conference play against East Carolina, I don't care where that game is played, it it could be curtains for for coach Scott.
1: So I've been pretty consistent on this. That I, I gave just about every new coach in twenty twenty a pass. Yes, right, you did. It. Mm-hmm. It was weird. No, there's no blueprint for that. You don't get your normal off season. Twenty twenty, that happened. It, ignore it. So, so then twenty twenty one was for for Norvell and, and Jeff Scott and those guys. That, that's the first year you can really judge them, and it did not that's go right. well at USF. That's and fair. you can you can look at you know, the BYU game and Louisville. And well, maybe, maybe Louisville is better than we thought. BYU is pretty good. And, and, and what have you. So uh, maybe you can even excuse those performances, but if in year three, which is what this is, right? And that's what the calendar says. Then year three, where the team is his, right? It's his dudes. He's no, there's, there's no secrets there. The guys, these are guys you brought in or kept and It's his team and his yep. coaches.
0: Yep.
1: If you can't beat East Carolina, or at least be very competitive with them in year three at USF, which is a program that's set up to succeed and be one of the, you know, they should be one of the best in the AAC. You can't be East Carolina in year three. What are we doing? Yeah. It's, it's, it's time. If that's what happens, it's time to to have the talk. Um, I'm not saying he gets Lane Kiffin. I don't, first of all, I can't see that happening for a lot of reasons, starting with that's not, michael kelly's the ad that's not his mo sure Uh, and you know there's other games left this season maybe things get better um but if if you if usf for all the resources and advantages that it has with with being so close to talent and and, you know jeff bringing in all these transfers and what have you if they can't beat east carolina or at least be very close with them in year three what are we doing here
0: Mm. yeah it's it's getting dark. Um, they're going to need some light. And and I thought they found it because you said it. You were there. They they look like the better team against the University of Florida and that defeat. Yep. While there are no moral victories, could have been one that they could have stacked and build on. Instead, uh, they fall apart on the road against Louisville and just a just a brutal performance. And they need something uh, to show that they can uh, turn this thing around and go the right direction. But this time of year, there's a lot of conference games, and we've got a bunch of them to choose from. Uh, what are you looking at in college football this week, Matt?
1: Yeah, so Kentucky and, and Mississippi on at, at noon on Saturday is one that intrigues me. I think uh, Kentucky's pretty darn good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I saw them in person. That defense is legit. Will Levis, I really, really like at quarterback. But I, I want to see them against Ole Miss because you know Mississippi. They, the, the Lane Kiffin's haven't really played a great schedule so far right, where I just don't have a read on it. I think yeah. they're going to score points because that's what they always seem to do under Lane Kiffin, but are, are they a good team or are they a notch above that uh, and kind of the upper middle class that this season doesn't really have. I, so I, I, that's really interesting to me just because I want to learn something about Old Miss. Um, Purdue, Minnesota is another one that intrigues me. Minnesota might be really good. Uh, I, I, I sur- I'm willing to entertain that possibility after the way they kicked the crap out of Michigan State, but their their non conference schedule was just abysmal. It was about as bad as um, as Michigan's, which was you know but three cupcakes. So I still don't have a good enough read on whether Minnesota is as good as they've seemed, or if there's some extenuating circumstances there. Um, Bama Arkansas is a three thirty CBS game. Arkansas, I want to see how they respond from the Texas A&M heartbreaker on the the oink-doink, I've heard it called. Oh, uh, man. Hit, yeah. Right? I mean, it hits the top upright. Like I don't never remember ever seeing that Have you ever that seen before.
0: that? I have never seen that. I really haven't. I can't believe that the ball would, would land so that it would spin back towards the field. I mean, that was just heartbreaking.
1: And then the other part of that, which I didn't realize until a day or two later – they were playing at uh, Jerry's world, right? Where, where the Cowboys, play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. uh, NFL uprights are taller than college uprights. Oh, wow. So if that's a college goalpost,
0: <sighs> Oh,
1: maybe it goes. in. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just absolutely, you know, it, it's, it's crazy to think about a literal bounce like that in just these weird circumstances, but that's part of why the sport is so cool. Um, but yeah, I want to see how how the Hogs respond against Alabama because you know Bama's due for a good test. Uh, Oklahoma State, Baylor—I have no idea what to make of the Big Twelve, which has a right. bunch of good to really good teams. But you know, I don't know that there's a, a juggernaut at this point. So I just kind of want to see how how those shake out. Um and then the last one that I'll that I'll mention, well, two more: NC State and Clemson. The right. the Atlantic Division of the ACC is pretty darn good this year. Um, I have no read on Clemson and NC State, except I think they're both good. You know, DJ Uyunglele played maybe his, the best game of his career against Wake the other day, and I don't know if that was him getting a lot better or then putting him in better positions, or Wake's defense being suspect. But NC State's good. Um, they, they've got a talented quarterback. They've got some guys on defense. That, to me, is a, a very, very uh, good matchup. And then the other one from the SEC, LSU and Auburn, Auburn, <laughs> their, their game against Mizzou, which was about as ugly and awful as you could, uh, as you could hope. Um, I think some Auburn fans were hoping they would lose so that they would have to fire Brian Harsin. And there's just, <laughs> it's just such a bad situation with him there right now where every, it seems like every game is a referendum on his career and it seems like the next loss might be his last. And LSU has, you know, played pretty well, I, I think, um, you know, you look at the FSU game, and they were competitive in that—very competitive. Had a chance to tie it, and maybe you are thinking LSU might be good. So, I want to get another see just another gauge on how good the Tigers are, and, and whether this will be the end for for Brian Harsin, and whether they'll finally put him out of his misery.
0: Yeah, lot, lots of intrigue in college football as there is every Saturday and every weekend, for that matter. And Matt Baker will be at Florida State hosting Wake Forest if Hurricane uh, Ian and everyone else. Cooperates. Stay safe, Matt. Until then, uh, we will look forward to your reporting in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Thanks, buddy.
1: Sure. Thank you. Stay safe, y'all.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My thanks to Matt Baker. Tomorrow we're going to preview the Bucks and the Chiefs. We'll have more information, of course, where that game is played. Hope you guys continue to stay safe For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.